Good morning, Corpus Christi, Coastal Bend listeners worldwide. Welcome in to another edition of the Sunday Sports Rush right here on News Talk KEYS, 1440 AM and 98.7 FM. I am your host, James Espinosa, joined alongside co-host and producer Aiden Ducker. What's Gucci with it? I got Alex Weister sitting in front of me, co-hosting the show. What's up, Weister? What's up, everybody? Episode 127 is here, and boy, oh boy, we are ready to roll. If you want to get your text into the text line, your sports takes into the text line, hit us up. The number is 361-882-5397, 361-882-5397. Shoot us some text all show long. We're here with you till 11 a.m. Coming up in the first hour at 9.50, we dive into some local 361 Texas high school football talk because our good friend from the Caller Times, Quentin, uh, dropped the biggest questions heading into the 2023 season for our local 361 team. So I thought we should take a look at that and dive into some high school football talk at 9.50. At 9.30, Dix versus Dak and why this was severely blown out of proportion by the national talking heads. I'll give my take on that. At 9.20, we do have some sports news, including an update on the United States women's national team. Boy, oh boy, things did not go well for them down under in the Women's World Cup. But right now, I do have a question of the day for the listening audience. And it involves the quarterback one of the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott, the often criticized, the often scrutinized quarterback one of America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. And the question is simply this, and you could take it any way you want. Uh, This is a question that the way you interpret it is probably going to be how you answer it. Is it a make or break year for Dak Prescott as the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback? He is entering year number eight in the NFL. He just turned 30 years old. Is this a make or break season in your mind's eye for Dak Prescott this year? In other words, if Dak and the Cowboys fail to even reach an NFC championship game, which should be the expectation if you're a Cowboys fan, they have a talented enough team, I believe, to do it. But let's say Dak and company, let's say Dak in particular fails to Get them over the hump. Fails to have, you know, a playoff performance. Fails to put together back-to-back playoff games where he gets them to that point. Will you be done with Dak Prescott? Will you still believe that he is the guy who can get the Cowboys over the hump? That is our question of the day. I'll start with you, Alex. Do you think this is a make-or-break season for Dak Prescott as the quarterback one of the Dallas Cowboys? I don't think it's fully make or break because if he can still have a statistically good season, I think there's still going to be a lot of hope in people's eyes that he can get them over the hump, but he's got to have a very good regular season. Limit the interceptions. Of course, that's one of the biggest talking points in the offseason is Dak and his interceptions. So if he can silence that narrative, have a great touchdown interception ratio, Cowboys win 11, 12 games. I think there can still be a lot of hope, even if they don't make a deep playoff push. Which, you know, the Cowboys, according to Vegas, yeah, they're favored to win 11, 12 games. They're favored to be probably the second best team in the NFC right behind the Eagles. The way it's looking right now, the Cowboys are talented enough to do it. But when it comes down to put up or shut up in the playoffs, 
We've seen back-to-back -back years already where they dropped the ball against the 49ers at home in the divisional round. And then last year... The they, wild card. Uh, wild card, excuse me. Yeah. And then last year um, in the divisional round... Yes. They dropped the ball against the 49ers on the road where the offense was absolutely putrid. And that's because the Cowboys' defense that game actually gave them a, a really good chance to win. Like, people forget that the Cowboys' defense actually was holding their own against the 49ers' offense. But it was the, it was the offense of the Cowboys that couldn't get it going. So, question of the day to you, Aiden. Is this a make-or-break year for Dak Prescott as the Dallas Cowboys' starting quarterback? I don't think so. I mean, if I were the owner, I would say yes, but I think Jerry Jones likes Dak, likes Dak too much. Unless he has a really awful year, which I don't think is going to happen. I I still see him as a Cowboys quarterback for the next, at least the next few years. So, follow-up question. What Okay, what do you see being a good year for Dak Prescott? Give me some stats. What do you think? What, what do you, you project for Dak this at least, season? At least, like, at least, like, 32 touchdowns, less than 10 interceptions, like, like, 4,300 yards, <clears throat> yards passing, something like that. At least 4,000, but like, you know, you know, even the even the couple seasons where he did throw for 30 touchdowns, he threw over 10. He would throw over 10 picks. Yeah, you know, so he need, he just needs to put it together and have an actual elite year of quarterbacking for the Cowboys. Even even Matt Ryan ha himself had an MVP year with the Falcons. You can't tell me that Dak Prescott can't do the same at least have one year where like he played like a mvp caliber uh quarterback so 361-882-5397 that is our question of the day to you the listening audience out there is this our make or break year for dak prescott as the cowboy starting quarterback are you starting to lose faith in dak especially if he has another performance like the way he did last year leading the league in interceptions and then just not showing up in the playoffs people forget that dak prescott in that divisional round game against the 49ers through two very putrid interceptions. Very, very putrid interceptions. And good Dak shows up, it's awesome. Bad Dak shows up, uh-oh, watch out. I have an actual interesting stat here concerning Dak and his age. With Dak being year 30, right? Age 30. There's not too many quarterbacks in the history of the NFL who have won a Super Bowl past the age of 30. 30 kind of seems to be that cutoff line of, well, you might win a Super Bowl past age 30. Only 12 quarterbacks in the history of the NFL have won a Super Bowl past the age of 30. Wow. Those quarterbacks are Tom Brady, Peyton yeah. Manning, John Elway, Johnny Unitas, Earl Morrill, Jim Plunkett, Roger Staubach, Len Dawson, Brad Johnson, Bart Starr, Joe Montana, and Joe Theismann. So mainly just like major names throughout history. Yes. That's it. So that's what I'm saying. We're at age 30. If Dak wants to get to the promised land, if Dak wants to lead this Cowboys team to the ultimate goal, which is raising that Lombardi trophy, only 12 others have done it in the history of the NFL. And a lot of those names that I just read off are Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Just something to think about, Cowboys fans. 361-882-5397. I will dive into more Cowboys talk here in a couple of segments because we'll talk about the digs and Dak smack talk that just got everybody's panties all in a bunch. I'll have some audio from Diggs. I'll play for you at 9.30. So more Cowboys talk to come at 9.30. Going to do a hard transition here and jump back down to some college football.
because the Texas Longhorns have opened their fall camp. And as it stands right now, according to FanDuel, the sports book out there, the Texas Longhorns have a plus 2,500 odds to win the national championship. And whenever I looked at the list, they were the sixth team in that list. So the sixth favorite to win the national championship this year. Now, pulling up the list right now in front of me, the obvious favorite to win the national championship is Georgia. Yeah. Followed by Alabama. Followed by Ohio State. Followed by Michigan. You got LSU. You got USC. Clemson, Penn State, Florida State, Texas. So Texas was actually 10th. My bad. I got that wrong. They're the 10th favorite to win the national championship. All those other teams are favored in front of them. But Texas does have a really good team this year, according to reports. And Texas is favored to win the Big 12. The media voted them to be the Big 12 champions in the media poll. And if they were to do that, it'd be the first time since 2009 that they win the Big 12 with this being their last season in the Big 12. Now, ESPN dropped an article. The four big ifs for Texas to win the national championship. If these things happen, yes, Texas if. could win the national championship. So I'm going to rattle these off. And I want y'all guys just to kind of respond to this. 361-882-5397. Let her rip. The first big if for Texas to win the national championship. If Quinn Ewers shows up on key plays. A stat last year saw that Quinn Ewers ranked 19th in QBR in 2022, which, okay, not bad. But on third downs, he was 104th in QBR. Ouch. In, wow. In the fourth quarter, Quinn Ewers' play was 97th in QBR out of the entire Division I football scene. So Quinn Ewers starts hot, but third and fourth quarter, Quinn Ewers has not been consistent. I mean, it has to, that also has to do with, you know, Co- Coach Sark himself. And, you know, that's been a problem for the last three, uh, the last couple of seasons he's been the head coach where, like, the, the offense is, is clicking and firing on all cylinders in the first half. And in the second half, he, he – calls a very conservative game. I remember all those B. John Robinson draws that he would draw up, and and, and it would just completely take the offense out, uh, offense uh, wind out of the sails or something like that. And, yeah, so I think – and also, Quinn Ewers, first year as a starter, you know, freshman. You he know. did get hurt last year for a little bit. He mm-hmm. was, you know, banged up. He got hurt against Alabama, but – But, yeah, you need to be clutch, obviously. You need that clutching in order to win. You know, yeah. Stetson Bennett didn't have the best stats in the world, but he was a clutch quarterback for Georgia. If number two, and Aiden just mentioned this, if Sark shows up in big moments, while close game records are typically unsustainable and can elicit constantly, it does bear mentioning that Steve Sarkeesian has lost 11 of his last 15 one-score games as a head coach. All right, Alex, what are your thoughts on that? It's... It just seems like, look, Sark always starts off hot yeah. in the first half. Texas is rolling, but once halftime comes around, yeah. it seems like the other team makes adjustments while Sark either fails to make the adjustments or in in-game tactical situations, Sark just seems, and I hate to say this because he's obviously one of the best at what he does, Yes, but he just seems a little bit lost when it comes to in-game management, in-game play calling, and, it all, and in-game personnel, like having the right dudes on the field at the right time. And the thing that's scary with that point is the fact that he has multiple options at the quarterback. And it's kind of scary if you think that he may end up just ditching one of the quarterbacks prematurely and not let one of them develop. 
Well, right behind Quinn Ewers is Malik Murphy, who's also uh, having a great camp, according to guys in Austin. And then you got young Arch Manning. So the quarterback room in Texas is very stacked. And, I mean, it, it's hard to think that he he won't be able to hear the cries of the fans if one of the quarterbacks isn't playing well, that the fans want somebody else in to try and win them games. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to dodge hearing the sound of the fans calling for another quarterback. So it's it's going to be interesting. The last two points, because we're running up on it, if they can replace Bijan Robinson, okay. of course, Bijan Robinson yeah. and, and Roshan Johnson, who are both in the NFL, Bijan with the Falcons, Roshan with the Bears, they got young candidates, uh, sophomore Jonathan Brooks, who is actually a cousin of the Brooks brothers from Shiner. Yeah. He went to Howlettsville, had a hell of a high school career. He's slated to be the number one back. You got a guy named Jaden Blue, who's a blue chipper, and also freshman Cedric Baxter Jr., a young running back room. Can they replace the production of Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson? And the last point, the Longhorns defense on third and fourth downs ranked 106th in third and fourth downs. So going to need the defense to step up in clutch moments, much like the way they're going to need Quinn Ewers, much like mm-hmm. the way they're going to need Sark. So... That was an ESPN article. The four big ifs for Texas to win a national championship. And as I mentioned, they're plus 2,500 odds to win it. They're about the 10th favorite to win the national championship. But if they could win the Big 12, they could get themselves in the playoff. And you never know what could happen in a college football playoff. So big season on the horizon for the Texas Longhorns. If you got any takes on that, 361-882-5397. Our question of the day. Is this a make-or-break year for Dak Prescott as the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback? Coming up next, we do continue a little bit of college football talk because realignment, once again, is happening, and the Pac-12 is officially on life support. We got that and more coming up in the 920 News. Sunday Sports Rush, episode 127. Wow. We're getting up there. James, Aiden, and Alex with you all the way till 11 o'clock. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we're going to talk some Cowboys. It's a Cowboys camp report, the Diggs versus Dak drama. Drama or blown out of proportion? We'll give you our takes on that. Coming up in 10 minutes' time. Question of the day concerning the Dallas Cowboys. Is this a make-or-break season for Dak Prescott? We got Annette weighing in on the text line, 361-882-5397. Annette comes in with a spicy hot take. Annette says, Dak is not the one to take us to the Super Bowl. It's not going to happen with him. It would have happened already. Forget about it with him. Sorry. Don't be sorry, Annette. If that's how you feel, that's how you feel. If you feel that Dak is not the guy to take you, That's your opinion. And you know what? When you look at the statistics that I just gave you, only 12 quarterbacks past the age of 30 have ever won a Super Bowl. And the majority of those quarterbacks are Hall of Famers and legends. Yeah. Can Dak join that pantheon? It's going to be a tough task. Winning a Super Bowl, no matter what, is going to be a tough task. Yeah. So if you have a take, get it in. 361-882-5397. Is Dak... Is this a make-or-break year for Dak Prescott? And it's not like the Cowboys are in the gauntlet that's the AFC right now where you have all these good young quarterbacks. The NFC is 
as wide open as it's ever been. It's just really the Eagles and Niners that are like the top teams that like, you know, have have been there and have been to the Super Bowl in recent years. Exactly. You know, even I mean, the Rams had their injuries, but I don't think they're going to be up top unless things get going for them. So the Cowboys have a made have a big opportunity to make the Super Bowl, and they just. Like, like, like in that saying, you know, Dax has got to, Dax got to be the guy to do it, and he hasn't done it yet. Three six one eight eight two five three nine seven. Get your takes in on the text line. Is it a make or break season for Dak Prescott? Let's go ahead and let's dive into the nine twenty news. Holy, there's a lot of news. And now the news. College football has lost its mind. Yes. And these past two weeks have been just absolutely insanity. Teams are jumping everywhere, left and right, and the Pac-12 is officially on life support. As we stand this morning, the Pac-12 only has four teams. <laughs> it's Oregon State, <laughs> Washington State, Cal, and Stanford. The lone four remaining because this past week, Oregon and Washington jumped to the Big Ten, which now has... Shoot, I don't even know. What do they have? 16? They have 18 I, I, teams. Yeah, I think it's 18 teams. So now. now the Big Ten has 18 teams. And then Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah have all joined the Big 12. So the Big 12 has 16 teams. Absolutely incredible. And it all stems because the Pac-12 commissioner, George, and I always butcher his name so badly, George, this one's tough, uh... George Kleofkoff, Kleofkoff, he failed to get a media deal for them that was going to be substantial for all parties. According to reports, the Pac-12 media deal was going to be on an Apple Plus subscription basis. Wow. You would have had to pay for Apple Plus just to be able to watch the Pac-12 behind a paywall. And so that got all the Pac-12 presidents kind of like, yo, this is unsustainable. And that's when you started seeing all the teams jumping. Do you think super conferences are ruining college football and athletics? Anybody in here? I don't think it's going to matter because of the new playoff system where you have 12 teams. Had it been like uh, it was still like four teams or even how it used to be where just two teams that were going to be in it, it would have been a big issue because not all these teams are going to play each other. Yeah. But with the 12-team system, you're going to have at least, you know, it's going to be more uh, fair for how it is now. I, in my opinion, I think the the four teams that are still left in the Pac-12. I think they're gonna make some deal and merge with the Mountain West. That's what I think. So that'd happen. be a smart move. That would probably be the best move available. I mean, because there's no room. I mean, I don't think the Big Ten's gonna. I mean, Oregon and Washington, they've been you know deep in the playoff before. Yeah, you know, they, and they were arguably the top two teams left in the now depleted Pac-12. So big gets for the Big Ten. The Big mm-hmm. Ten. I love what they're doing. Yep. Because they're not a regional conference anymore. It used to be the the um used to be the Midwest, the North, the Northeast. Now they span from coast to coast. They got a team in Rutgers, they got a team in Maryland, they got teams in Oregon, Washington, and then they got everybody in the middle. They're really an American conference, so to speak, without being called the American Conference. Of course, that's the home of UTSA, the home of North Texas and all that, but I like it. I don't mind it. I want to see these matchups. I want to see the big-time games week after week. I want conference games to feel just amazing. Imagine Oregon at Michigan. You know, Ohio State going to Autzen Stadium in Oregon. You know, just a bunch of crazy matchups can happen from this. And then when it comes to the Big 12, yeah, hell yeah, Big 12. 
Yes, Brent Yormark, you actually were on the forefront. You weren't like Bob Bowlesby of the past, former commissioner who just sat on his ass and didn't make any moves. He was proactive, and he saved the Big 12. It's crazy. The Big 12, football, they'll be pretty good as a conference, but basketball, that is the premier conference now. And uh, and they got, uh, I believe they got Arizona now. Yeah, Arizona. And Arizona State. Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, mm-hmm. uh, Houston. You know, they got Kansas still, Kansas State, uh, Texas Tech, Baylor. I mean, just look it up and down. That's a stacked conference for basketball. Yeah. Even, even though Arizona has always been a basketball school, too, so that's you know that's another one right there. Yeah. Arizona versus Kansas in a Big 12 conference basketball game. <sighs> that's going to happen now, year after year, and I'm here for it. That used to be an Elite Eight matchup. Now it's, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I love that. Love what they're doing. Let's move on. The United States women's soccer team blew it last night in penalty kicks. They lost... In penalties to Sweden. You're done. You are done. Five to four on penalties. It's the first time the women's soccer team has failed to finish anything lower than third place in a women's World Cup. It's the first time ever they've been knocked out in the round of 16, which is pretty much the opening round of the knockout stages. Just an underperforming team. And Carly Lloyd caught some crap. Former U.S. women's legend, I should say, Carly Lloyd, was criticizing the team up and down because they were playing piss poor. And the U.S. women's national team ends the tournament on a 238-minute scoring drought. Yeah, they man. just couldn't score goals, man. Like they they beat Vietnam three and zero, but I saw the game on a replay. I was like, there's there's something off with this team. There's just not there's not cohesive at all. On the offensive end, at least, and we we now saw it, you know, saw it against Netherlands, saw it against Portugal, and then now, you know, Sweden basically told the U.S. That was your best shot. You lost. Yeah, they did. They did. So, Vlatko Andonovsky, the manager for the U.S. women's national team, under a lot of heat. I doubt he survives. He's probably going to get fired after this result, and you know, the likes of Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan. Ertz, Kelly O'Hara, you know, those women, they might not make the next round. I know Rapino for sure, this is her last World Cup, but Alex Morgan and all them, they're getting up there in age, and it's just a new generation of women. And much like the way basketball went through a certain period, I think the world is just kind of catching up to women's soccer. Yeah. There's more nations, everything. I mean, we can mention more in the next segment a little bit, but yeah, it's just, yeah. Coming up next, we do have got the Dak Diggs controversy. We talk Dallas Cowboys training camp. Keep it locked. Sunday Sports Rush. Sunday Sports Rush, episode 127, where we are remembering one of the greats. R.I.P. Mark Margolis. A.K.A. Theo, Theo Salamanca. Hector Salamanca. You know, Breaking Bad and Bear Calls are, are always like... They've been a mainstay in our in our lives. We always, me and James are a huge fan, and Alex, you know, you became a fan too as well. Yes. And it just broke my heart Friday uh, when I went to lunch and I read the news. Man, he's such a great actor and one of those actors that really showed that you don't need to say a lot of dialogue t- to act. Like, oh, he's one of those. Don't need who to like, say any dialogue. Yeah. His his uh his physical acting, the use of his eyes, yes. his mouth, just I don't know, it's just amazing. So R.I.P. To Mark Mangolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that R. one hurt, R. man. Yeah, but, I, I've never been so sad for a murderous cartel if you, boss. If you are out lost, there, man. if you are out there listening, <laughs> uh, 
Ring a bell for Mark. And you know who else rings that bell when you need them? That would be Crossroads Clinical Research, baby, because they are always ringing the bell to try and help you. I got Jerry Plemons. Hit him up, 361-288-4668. If you're looking to lose weight, they got a study for this medication called Munjaro. You got to have a heart condition. You got to have some diabetes. But hit them up. If you want to lose weight, hit up our good friends at Crossroads Clinical Research, 361-288-4668. Or hit them up at number3cra.com. That is number3cra.com. Crossroads Clinical Research, thank you for sponsoring the show. S-tier transition to the spot read. I mean, that wasn't even planned. He does, James Espinosa, he does what he does. He knows how He knows how to do the radio game. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's the most I'll ever gloss over James. So. <laughs> take it, take it, listeners. Take all you can get right there. There we go. So we are here. Question of the day was, is this a make or break year for Dak Prescott? I'm going to go to my social media page where I posted this question. I got some results that have rolled in. Kyle is in here. Kyle says, you mean Romo 2.0? So that's how Kyle feels about Dak. He feels that Dak is just a Romo 2.0. Frank is in here, 361-882-5397. Frank says the sun is going to set on his career fast. Not a lot of confidence so far from the listening audience. One more here from Brian. Brian says about Dak, and if this is a make or break year, Brian says... To say he is in a make-or-break year, I feel is quite preposterous. I would go out on a limb and say he will have a top-two season of his career. Okay. A little bit of optimism from Brian. Maybe he will bounce back and show us, hey, I can still be the guy. It's just taken a while. We just haven't been able to put it all together, and the Cowboys do have the roster to do it. If you look up and down the Cowboys roster from the offense to the defense, you can match them up against anybody. With the talent that they have. But talent only takes you so far. you got to put it on the field. And for the past 28 seasons, no matter who has put on that star in their helmet, no matter who has taken snaps at quarterback, who has taken the ball on a handoff at running back, etc., etc., they haven't been able to get it done. 361-882-5397. Way on on the Cowboys. We're talking Cowboys right now. So Dak and Diggs. Tempers flared oh, at Cowboys boy. practice on Tuesday afternoon, featuring two of the biggest names on the team in the NFL, Trayvon Diggs and Dak Prescott. What happened that led to this blow up? And I put that in quotes. Yeah. Well, it was a red zone play at camp, which featured Prescott finding no pass targets open. So Prescott attempted to escape the rush and run for a touchdown. Tried to go for the corner, right? He was contacted by a defender. In a real game, he would have likely been tackled short of the goal line, but Dak kept going and scored. And so that prompted Trayvon Diggs to kind of smack talk Dak a little bit and say, hey, you were down. Dak returned fire, according to reports at Cowboys training camp, and talked smack right back to Trayvon Diggs. And then that's when Trayvon Diggs said, shut your bitch ass up. And that one part, was captured on video and was shared everywhere. All the talking heads, the stupid-ass LaShawn McCoys, the Colin Cowherds, you name it, they're talking about it. Is this a sign that Dak Prescott's not a true leader? Is this a sign of disrespect? You had all these dummies saying that. When in reality, guys, smack talk happens. Color me shocked 
that dudes with the highest testosterone levels known to man who are physically violent in a game you call football don't talk smack. Excuse me, they're not playing patty cake out there. If Diggs told him to shut your bitch ass up, that's fine. Because Dak was talking smack also. Is this a big deal, Alex? I, I, I very much want to hear other people weigh in on this because I've already shared my opinion multiple times. This is not a big deal in the slightest. Now, if you look at who Trayvon Diggs is, he is a member of the Diggs family. Who is his brother? Stephon Diggs, the wide receiver for the Bills. And what did he do all towards the end of their season last year and into the offseason? He pitched and moaned at the front office and his team the entire time. When he is a part of a team that is top five in the league and has the capabilities to make a Super Bowl run. And he is still complaining at his team. This is just how that family is. They are one to always talk their talk. And they can back it up. That's just how they do it. If it was somebody else on the team, maybe that's a little bit different. But it's the guy who is known for talking his talk. And his whole family is known for that. I, I just don't think it's a big issue at all because training camp fights happen. I mean, we Travis Kelsey's been getting into it with this team, with his. Uh, well, to be fair, team. he fought a nobody. <laughs> no, but still, but still, like I mean, and the Chiefs are probably going to be in the Super Bowl again unless the Bengals or any other team do something about it. Or the it, Bills. Nah, not the Bills. But anyway, yeah, come on now. Anyway, uh, but yeah, like this, ha like the year that the Rams won the Super Bowl, I think they had an in practice brawl where Sean McVay had to like have him do like laps and all that. Stuff. Yeah, you, yeah. You had Aaron Donald like swinging on dudes. I think that was the year after. But they, the Rams like to brawl in training camp a lot. That that's a thing that they like to do. Like that's their bread and butter. It's just like. Come on, if you're making a big deal out of this, if you're questioning Dak Prescott's leadership just because Trayvon Diggs told him that, look, you got to understand that Dak and Diggs, they talk smack to each other. Mike McCarthy even came out. The fact that Mike McCarthy had to hold a press conference about this is ridiculous. Trayvon Diggs actually got audio of him responding. He was on 1310 The Ticket up in Dallas. He was talking to Donnie and Matt on their midday show. And Trayvon Diggs just... Pretty much put it out there that this is what happened in that situation. Here's Trayvon Diggs explaining himself. I don't know why everybody's making that a, such a big thing. Like it's football. This is what we do. This is what goes on on the field. I don't know why people are in the business anyway. It's all love. It's friendly. Like it's nothing against him. It's nothing like it's nothing like that. So you know, just you know, people just want something to talk about. You know, oh, people create narratives of how they want to justify a situation. But then you know, that's my guy. You know, we got his back 100. percent no one can say anything to us about anything. You know, we're going out there every day and playing for each other every Sunday. So, like, regardless of what happens on the practice field, what sure. we're doing, we're making each other better. We're trying to get better. People just need to mind their business. Like, yeah. period. So there's Trayvon explaining himself. It was friendly yeah. banter. It was us talking smack. These things happen. People are just making a big deal out of nothing. And that didn't sound like one of those PR answers where they're like, look, go out there, say this to try and make the team look better. That sounded like it was from the heart to me. It, it sounded like that he just spoke off the cuff, and that's what came out. And in all honesty, if you're out there making a big deal out of this, I need you to please take a step back, look at yourself, and realize you just miss football. You yeah. just need to admit it. Yeah, you miss that, football. That is what the problem is. You just miss look, football. Even us, us three in here, and, and I'll include Marcos in this as well, 
we have a group chat. We talk smack to each other. Yes. We, we call each other names that we cannot repeat on air. Yes. But it's all love in the end because we're teammates and we're friends. That's the exact same thing and, with and these I, guys. And, and let me, and I'll be honest, I like getting a little rise out of y'all. It's hard to get a rise out of Alex. He, he, he's, <laughs> he's unbreakable. But James and Marcos, oh, they're like, yeah, they're. They're, they're so easy to get a rise out of that I I, I enjoy you know doing it. I did rattle I, Alex earlier this week though. Really when? on Max Scherzer, but that's another story. Oh yeah, okay. But but when, <laughs> I mean, you know, and we'll it, talk baseball later. But uh, I'll say this: didn't uh, who are the couple Patriots players or former Patriots that came out and say, yeah, we used to t- me and Tom Brady used to talk smack uh, to each other all the time in practice, and I which mean, compl- you know. doesn't that like completely contradict what Lashawn McCoy was saying? Like oh my God. they would never go at the grades. I was like. There's got to be somebody who said something to Tom Brady at some point. Are you kidding me? Like, imagine if you're a defensive player and you get one up on Tom Brady. You're going to talk a little smack because the competitive person in you is going to do that. So, much to do about nothing, Cowboys fans out there. Competitive shots were taken. Let's move on from that. We do got some more Cowboys updates because the Cowboys actually extended safety Malik Hooker to a three-year contract extension worth up to $24 million. The extension includes an $8 million signing bonus and a $16.5 million guarantee over the next three seasons. Hooker is 27, entering his third season with the Cowboys and seventh in the NFL, and now he's locked up as an integral part of that, uh, of that secondary. So Malik Hooker, in his 31 games with the Cowboys, has accounted for four interceptions, five pass breakups, and 106 total tackles. Um, I like it. Malik Hooker, ever since he's joined the Cowboys, has been a pretty serviceable player. Battled a lot of injuries with Indianapolis. A lot of people thought he was done. He wasn't going to live up to expectations. But hey, he got his bag. Good for him. He'll be locked up with the Cowboys. Update. Sorry, I, I was going to say, do you have something? No, I I don't even. Nah, the, the joke, it, it's made, we've made the joke already. It, Jerry, it's, Jerry loves his hookers. I mean, it's not, I mean, as usual, it's nice to see a hooker game paid well in Dallas. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jerry's on. not scared to pay a hooker, okay? And he did it this past week. Update on Zach Martin. He's still out of training camp, and he has amassed over $600,000 yeah. worth of fines. There have been no further words on what the updated status is with his contract. Zach Martin has been posting, though, on his social media that he's been working out in Dallas with famed offensive line, um, I guess, guru, workout uh, guy, uh, Big Duke Merriweather or Mayweather. I think I've heard of him. Yeah, he, he trains like a lot of prominent offensive linemen. So Zach is training. He's just not in camp, and he already has over $600,000 in fines. I mean, that is nothing to joke about. I mean, that is, tells you very clearly he is about his business, and he wants a new deal, and he's willing to pay for it. Jerry Jones had some interesting comments this past week. They asked Jerry if this is the Cowboys' best chance in a long time to get back to the Super Bowl. Here's Jerry Jones. Quote, I'm reluctant to use comparatively the best chance, he said. But I will say, the Eagles, Giants, and Commanders need to be on their game because we are. We are going to be on our game, and we will be improved from where we were last year. End quote. That's Jerry Jones. Well, a way to be on your game is to re-sign or extend uh, Zach Martin. There's certain guys you don't play with, and we talked about this last week. Don't play with Zach Martin. Yeah. He seems pretty serious. And, he's going to hold out. And he he hasn't shown that he's had major injuries. He's always been solid. He just he was a first-team All-Pro last season as well. 
I mean, just just extend the guy. I mean, six-time All-Pro, and he he has shown no signs that he's slowing down physically. And you know, Jason Kelsey's what thirty-five. He was the best center last season. You know. Zach Martin's younger. He still has some years left. I mean, left. he's been quietly the best center in the league for a while. It just seems like nobody really talked about him until he started up that podcast with his brother and whatnot, and he started to get his name out there a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying is that Zach Martin, he still has several oh, yeah, of years course. left, you know. Yeah, so there we go. That's latest update from Cowboys camp. The Dak Diggs fight, in quotes, was the main story out of camp. Zach Martin is still holding out, and Malik Hooker gets a three-year contract extension. The Cowboys, baby. First game is next Saturday. Preseason game. So football is coming up, and we will break it all down for you as we do right here on the Sunday Sports Rush. Question of the day. Is it a make-or-break year for Dak Prescott as the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback? Hit us up on the text line, 361-882-5397. When we come back, we'll answer your text. We'll answer your tweets. And we'll talk some Texas high school football because that is coming up. So keep it locked to the Sunday Sports Rush. Sunday Sports Rush, episode 127. James Aiden and Alex with you all the way till 11 o'clock. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll dive into the latest NFL headlines from training camp. It was Hall of Fame weekend. We'll talk about the Hall of Fame class of 2023 because, my God, it's it was an absolute loaded class. Yes, it was. So I want to pay homage to those guys. That We'll do that coming up in about 10 minutes. Ryan is in here on the text line, 361-882-5397. Ryan says, TV football is back! Exclamation points. Yes, it is. Hall of Fame game was Thursday. Jets, Browns. Rodgers didn't play. Zach Wilson played. Saw a little bit. I didn't... Yeah, I did as well. I wasn't glued to it. I probably saw maybe a couple of series here and there, but it was a nice little palette, you know, wet your palate a little bit, kind of get your lips going on the NFL's teat, so to speak. <laughs> it was just nice to to have football back, you know. What a great what what a great Completely analogy. Completely out of I get. pocket, but <laughs> you know, a little Homelander esque. Oh. So there we go. That's how I, I, I will say Zach Wilson looked as solid as as I've ever seen Zach Wilson because he struggled a lot last year. Yeah. So, you know, Aaron Rodgers is not going to be there forever, at, at least two seasons. So if Zach Wilson is going to be the guy, at least he'll have somebody to look 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 behind. It seems like Aaron Rodgers is also men- mentoring him, which which is a good sign as well. So. It's good. Aaron should pay it forward because you Brett know. Favre never paid it forward for him. Yeah. And if Aaron Rodgers – and I have some Rodgers audio I'm going to play in the next segment because – I don't know. I don't want to dive too much into it, but I'm starting to kind of become more of an Aaron Rodgers fan. I mean, it's hard I don't, not to. It's I don't not know like what he's... it is because he's a legend. He's he's getting yeah. later in his career. We're not going to see too much of him, you know, going forward. He does have some weird takes, but, yeah. you know. I'm starting to become an Aaron Rodgers fan. I'll explain more coming up in 10 minutes. Um, question of the day. Is it a make or break year for Dak Prescott? Hitting up my social media feed. Edward is in here. Edward says, yes, it is. It's time to show up. So Edward thinks it's a make or break year for Dak. We got Brandon in here. Brandon says, Dak and Romo, similar career arcs. Great numbers, no championships, but enough respect, but not enough respect for being legit quarterbacks. Okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah. And look, everybody's always going to measure Dak based on championships. Everybody measures Romo based on championships. They both put up great numbers. Yep. 
But they both do tend to get disrespected for not being legit quarterbacks. And I get it, but heavy is the head that wears the crown who takes the snaps for the Dallas Cowboys. That's just how it's always been. There's only been two quarterbacks to ever win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys, Troy Aikman and Roger Staubach. Danny White never did it. Romo, Dak so far. Name all the spares that played from 2000 all the way to 2006. Hey, hey, at, at least Danny White played in three NFC title games. Yeah, I lost them all. Yeah, and But at least he was... That, that's the thing. They can't get to the NFC title game. It's been 27 seasons. So there we go. Three, is that six, insane? It is insane. 361-882-5397. Real quickly, high school football talk because it's back. Yes. And the Quentin Martinez had a... Really great article, some questions, some big questions entering the 2023 season. One of the questions is, how will Veterans Memorial fill the quarterback shoes of Elijah Durrett, who is no longer at quarterback? That is a big question for them. So, vets going forward, they are favored to win their district. And I'm pretty sure whoever vets has out there playing quarterback is going to be pretty good. They just always seem to have guys. I mean, going back to Carter Centerfit a few years back, he was a stud. They had Elijah Durrett for well, a few even, years. Even then, before then, David Soto was solid. Yeah, Soto. I remember yeah. whenever they were on their, their rise. Another question he has, which lengthy playoff drought is more likely to end this season? Right now, Moody owns the area's largest playoff drought at 18 seasons. Toloso Midway broke their playoff drought last year. Can Moody and even Robstown, who has a lot of returners back this year, who has a really young coaching staff, can those two teams finally make the playoffs? I think Moody might have a chance. Yeah. They're kind of middle in the pack. They're going to be right there with Carroll battling for the fourth spot with those Victoria schools. It's always been them pesky Victoria schools that just get in the way of our our CC greatness and our CC success. Another question (laughs) asked... Can Flower Bluff or Gregory Portland unseat Liberty Hill in Division Two, Region Four? I mean, Liberty Hill's a—I mean, it's they, tough. Liberty Hill's a gauntlet in football, yeah. man. That—I don't see that happening. According man. to much respect to our teams here, just Liberty Hill was in the state title game a couple of years ago as well. According to Dave Campbell's Texas Football, the Bible of Texas high school football, indeed, they have Liberty Hill beating Gregory Portland in the Five A Division Two Regional Final. Yeah, I mean they're predicting GP to get to the fifth round, but eventually lose to Liberty Hill. And GP is going to have a really I good team this year, man. Excited. Really good team. I am super excited for this GP team. You know, I, I honestly think that they have a chance to run the gauntlet completely, like schedule wise. Like. Yeah. Another question that Quentin is posing: Can Refurio take one more step? We saw Refurio just absolutely get dismantled. Last year in the state championship game, can they win it this year? Can they do it again? I got a feeling that I, I, those I, guys will be they'll be right back in contention. I, I'm but, assuming that that team that beat them in the state title game lost some players, so because they it says refuse favored, right? Yes, to win. Yes, but I mean, um, watching T- the Tinsen last still has that quarterback though, that Bussy. I think mm. he still has him. Uh, he, it's a senior year, so that's going to be Shiner. Region four is loaded. But Shiner's not without the Brooks Bros. They haven't been as yeah. last year. They weren't as you know. Good. But the thing is, when you look at their last two playoff runs, look at how they've gotten beaten both times. It has been demoralizing losses. I mean, Aiden and I, we saw one in person. I, that that was. Probably the worst beatdown I've seen in a play in a playoff game ever. It was an absolutely brutal loss to Shiner. And then last year, it's kind of like 
they're on a string of demoralizing losses and it's kind of hard to see them climbing out of it, but if there is any team to do it, it would be Refugio. The one thing that's been Refugio's weakness is that they don't have enough. They don't have enough size. They've always yeah. had speed. Like they have, they have speed demons like crazy. They got they, that kid, oh, he's, he's, Campbell. Yeah, who just signed to A and M. Who's, and that's, who's been breaking all these track records? So. And, and Refugio, they they've won three three state titles off of their off of their athleticism and speed. But yep. so they're not they're not going to be complete slouches. They just need to. Uh, I mean, it's right there. I mean, that Holly team was full of big boys, and, and unless you see another big boy team like that, you know, I, I could definitely see Refugio winning another state title. And they need to also um, that that whole thing with like the I like Jason Herring. I, I if I would play for any former coach that I I didn't uh, play for at Carroll, it would be him because of how fiery he is and how yeah. great he is with these players and whatnot. But I that press conference after the last year was kind of yeah. Yeah, we did a whole segment on that where he kind of made an excuse about the travel and not getting to sleep in their own beds, etc. Yeah, if he instills in his team the opposite of that, I think Rafael can win a state title. And the last one, I know we're about to hit the break here, but can Carroll continue its positive momentum after the 2022 season? Carroll's also predicted to be competing for the fourth and final playoff spot with the Victoria West and Victoria East. Can Carroll break through and get back to the playoffs? They will. Oh! Yes, I'm stamping it right down. They're going to make the playoffs. I think they can. Carol Tigers on the way back, baby. I love it. Mm -hmm. So there we go. Just a nice little questions to be asked. And it was a great article that Quentin Martinez put out there. Our good friend from the caller time. So there we go. Texas High School Football Talk, 361-882-5397. If you have any takes, get in. Our question of the day. Is it a make or break season for Dak Prescott as the Dallas Cowboys quarterback? Coming up next... Hall of Fame weekend and NFL headlines. We're broadcasting live from the Americana Arms Studios. Big city selections, small town prices. This is KEYS Corpus Christi. Hour two is coming up. Good morning. Corpus Christi, Coastal Bend, listeners worldwide, welcome into hour number two of the Sunday Sports Rush right here on News Talk KEYS, 1440 AM and 98.7 FM. James Espinosa here, your fearless sports leader, joined by co-host and producer Aiden Ducker. Cougars, I love Cougars. Got Alex Weister in the building. What's up, everybody? Glad to be here. Yes, glad y'all guys are with us wherever you may be this morning on this beautiful Sunday morning here. 361-882-5397. We have been talking about this question of the day. Is it a make or break season for Dak Prescott as the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys? I got some reactions that have rolled in. Let's go ahead and let's read some of them. This one comes from Adrian. Adrian on the Dak Prescott question. Only a career-ending injury will derail the DAC attack. But I do agree. Contract and time invested means it's time to bring home the trophy. Okay. So it's time to bring it home. Yeah. I think we all agree. After 28 seasons, yeah. I think, I, mean, it's, I think it's time to bring home. Look, it's time to bring home some kind of trophy. Let's let's do the NFC Championship trophy first. Yeah. You know what I mean? Before we, we, we bring home the Lombardi, right? Let's do that first. And, uh, and Adrian, I have to disagree with you because we've seen the San Francisco 49ers defense derail the DAC attack as well. Uh, 
we got Sam in uh, here. Sam's reacting to the question. I mean, 361 5397 I don't think it's wrong. Get your takes in on the text line. Sam says, with Dak's contract, time invested, and difficulty finding a franchise quarterback, I just don't see this year changing anything for Dak in his future in Dallas unless he suffers a severe injury. So, kind of like the same tune as Adrian. Time invested, et cetera, et cetera. It's hard to find a quarterback. So he says that Dak, it's not necessarily make or break for him. And Jerry's in here. Jerry says, for me, it's make or break. 361-882-5397. Weigh in, Cowboys fans. I want to know your takes on Dak Prescott as we enter the 2023 NFL season. All right. Let's talk some NFL headlines because yesterday... The Pro Football Hall of Fame class was inducted. The 2023 Hall of Fame class. And dude, this was a pretty star-studded class, if you ask me. Rondé Barber. Don Coriel. Chuck Howley. Who is the only man to win Super Bowl MVP. Oh, wait. Was that him or was that Bob Lilly? No, it was it was Howley. It was Howley. Only man to win Super Bowl MVP on a losing team. Super Bowl five, I think it was Colts sixteen, Cowboys thirteen. Both offenses absolutely sucking with what, the turning over the ball. Which is arguably regarded as one of the worst Super Bowls ever played. It ended on a Colts field goal as time expired. I it, it, it was it was, it was an a ugly close game. game, but yeah. it was ugly. Joe Klecko, former offensive lineman. Daryl Revis, Revis Island made I it. Klecko was a defense lineman. Was he defense? Yeah, he, okay. was, he was on that D the, line with the Jets. Yeah, there we go, Jets. Yeah. You're the sports encyclopedia. There we go. Opposite uh, Mark Gassino, I believe. Daryl Revis, Ken Kelly, former Ken- offensive tackle Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas, man, it sucked that he spent all those years with the Bra- with the Browns, man. Yeah. You know what? He was supposed to be traded to the Broncos before the 2015 oh, year. And, I, and something happened. It was like an injury issue or he declined or something he, but he was supposed to be on that 2015 Broncos team that won the Super Bowl. And then Zach Thomas, former linebacker for the Dolphins, even had a cup of coffee with the Cowboys for a season or two. And then, of course, DeMarcus Ware, who won his Super Bowl with the Broncos, who is a Cowboys legend, who is one of the best pass rushers I think this game has ever seen. He's highly he, regarded. He's one of the top 10 ever. Yeah, top 10 for sure. And that was the class. It was a great class. And, you know, we are the home of the Cowboys, so just kind of going to highlight a little bit of what DeMarcus Ware did. You know, DeMarcus Ware led the Cowboys in sacks for eight seasons, led the NFL with 20 sacks in 2008, and in 2010 had 15 and a half sacks, played on only one team with a losing record during his career, and helped lead five teams to the playoffs. Um, of course, his Super Bowl, where he amassed three solo tackles and two assists, two sacks, and four two hits sacks. on the quarterback. And uh, I remember, I, and, and I saw this last night. It was the Broncos Patriots AFC title game, and there was the last and the Patriots last two. Uh, it was actually uh, their last eight plays on their final drive. I, I saw the last eight plays. Demarcus Ware put Tom Brady on the ground six of those eight plays. Crazy in that final drive. Demarcus Ware, 138 and he a half earned, sacks. He's one of those. He earned his ring, man. Like he was, he was an amazing player up until. Sad that he, you know he got injured and it, and it ended his career, his career early. But He's he was st- still, you know, a great player. He still holds the Cowboys' career sacks record with 117. Voted first team All Pro four times, second team All Pro three times, selected to nine Pro Bowls, and named to the NFL's All Decade Team of the 2000s. Congratulations to Marcus Ware and to everybody in the class of 2023. Yep. I actually got some Demarcus Ware audio I want to play. 
Demarcus Ware had a great Hall of Fame speech. I could have pulled numerous amounts of clips, but this is Demarcus Ware talking about how his teammates inspired him to get to where he is right now. I bet work, I can hear the ring of fire blasting in the training room, which meant Tony Romo was in the building. In the weight room, I'd hear the clanking of Larry Allen, bench pressing 500 pounds just to warm up. On the field, lining up against Jason Witten, I was reminded just how important it, and to, it, it was to be consistent every day, every play. And when I had to turn up, all I had to do is look at my boy Brady James because he truly had the eye of the tiger. Brady James, he was so under. He was very underrated. That's a name I haven't heard in a while, man. Yeah, very underrated as a linebacker for the Cowboys back in those 2000s. His speech got to me because I I I saw the whole speech and all that. It was very good, man. When he talked about his family and everything, there was two moments that really got to me. The one where he was talking about you know the loss of Demarius Thomas, Ronnie Hillman, and Mary Barber. How he actually saved three chairs for you know that was great. And then there was another moment where I guess. I guess his dad wasn't around when he was younger, mm-hmm. and he basically like his dad's sitting out there. He he's always been in his life. He's been in his life now, but he he basically told his dad, "I forgive him," you know. Man. And, and that got to me, man. And, yeah, I mean, and it was just heartfelt and such a wonderful human being. Demarcus Ware, where is you know everything you want you know up and comers to to model their careers and lives after. You know, just a wonderful, uh, beautiful human, man. Hall of Fame career, Hall of Fame human. Yep. You know what I mean? Just one of those things with DeMarcus. So shout out to everybody who got into the hall. Joe Thomas was one of my favorites. Um, Revis Island, man. Yeah, Revis. I mean, Joe Thomas. To, to me, oh, wait, we'll go ahead with Joe Thomas real quick. Only six offensive linemen since 1970 have been named to the AP All-Pro first team six times in their first nine NFL seasons. Joe Thomas is one of those guys. Joe Thomas, he he was that meme. You know that meme with the Lamborghini side of that really <laughs> worn down house? Next to the shack. Yeah, yeah next yeah. to that shack. Yeah, that was basically... Darrell Re- I honestly think Darrell Rios is the last true shutdown corner we'll ever see. Wow. It just with how the office is today, like, it's hard. It's very I'm talking difficult. about clamp, clamp down after clamp down after clamp down. I mean, what was, what was the stat that I heard? I think it was two 100-yard games he allowed in his entire career. Yeah. That's it. There's like a list of receivers. I saw the stat and I should have I should have pulled it, but there was like a like 10 receivers and they were all notable names where it was like Darrell Revis held these guys to less than 30 yards. And I know I believe he was the only person to ever shut down Calvin Johnson. Yeah. The only person. Revis and, and, and of course, one of those 100-yard games he gave up was to Randy Moss. So, I mean, not nothing I mean, against, you know. I mean, Hall of on. Fame on Hall of Fame. I That's mean. inevitable. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, they nothing. were in the same division, were they not? Yeah. Yeah, for a while with Patriots and Jets. You can only hold that man for so long. And honestly, he was the main reason why the Jets went to those back-to-back AFC title games because of how, well, just he was the leader of that Jets team, in yeah. my opinion. And don't forget about Mark Sanchez. Yeah. <laughs> When Sanchez was good, yeah, and then he won a Super Bowl with the Patriots. Which was awesome. As as much as he's gotten memed, he did have, like, a couple of good years for the Jets. Like, he wasn't just all bad. Like, Mark Sanchez was not all bad. That Seahawks Super Bowl, I didn't really mind the Patriots winning because the Seahawks had just won the year before. Yeah. But, I mean, that's a, yeah. Um, So, there we go. Hall of Fame Class 2023. Good stuff right there. I want to play this Aaron Rodgers audio because... I'm finding myself just becoming an Aaron Rodgers fan and Hard Knock starts on Tuesday night on HBO with the Jets and you're going to get a lot of Aaron Rodgers content coming up. And should I respond to 
to why you're an Aaron Rodgers fan right now or, or wait or wait a little bit? Wait till after. Wait till Let's after play this you. clip real quick because Aaron Rodgers is talking to his quarterback group and he's kind of giving a some words of wisdom, like just some kind of old wise man talk to his quarterback group. Just listen to Aaron Rodgers and tell me if this ain't a different person than what he was a few years back. Here's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron, what do you got for us, man? Oh, I got nothing, man. I'm just happy to be out here, excited to be with you guys. All I'm going to say is this camp is a long camp, right? Let's just enjoy the little things every single day, right? Take time to laugh a little bit, find a conversation at lunchtime with somebody new. Don't always sit with the same group. Get to know your teammates a little bit. Yeah, that's part of the leadership role. And just enjoy the little moments. It goes by fast, and you get to be really old and gray, and savoring every little moment. So savor them right now, all right? Cues on three. One, two, three. Cues. The one thing that he said that really struck with me about being a leader is, you know, get to know your teammates. Go sit with somebody different at lunch every day. Don't click up, so to speak. You know, get to know everybody. And me, you know, personally, I have a little bit of an elevated role as a teacher now. I'm now the department head of the special education head honcho. at a GP high school. So I take, I, when I heard that, I was like, yeah, that's true. I was like, you really do got to get to know your teammates and not just, you know, favor people you yep. got to really sit down so when roger said that i was like damn dude i was like this just sounds like i mean i know aaron ross aaron rogers has been tripping off ayahuasca and doing all this crazy stuff but like maybe in a weird way that did kind of just like mellow him out and just get him like more zen aaron Rodgers is I, i've said this before he's like that he, he, uh there's this uh clip uh it's this movie with tina fey and amy poehler or john cena he's playing this drug dealer he has like every drug known to man in his briefcase <laughs> Like yeah. Aaron Rodgers is that guy. I feel like he has he he has access to every job known to man. Yeah. But I will say, and here's why you I know exactly why James warmed up to Aaron Rodgers. It's not because of how he he's acting. Okay. There. I know the number one reason. Go for it. He is no longer in the NFC to torment the Dallas Cowboys from year <laughs> in and year out. It's the it, boogeyman. You you know what's gonna happen? Uh, it probably won't happen. But imagine there's an action. Imagine this this rule matchup: Jets versus Cowboys. Oh my gosh, that would be such a blockbuster. Like, cause you have two like fl like franchises that used to be great, and but now have been flailing the past uh uh past you know, fifty years for the Jets. Yeah, yeah past thirty. <laughs> we'll, we'll say we'll say twenty five years each. Yeah, let's yeah, just yeah. Say that. And he'd be there again to torment the Cowboys. Look, let me respond to Aiden's claim right here. But yeah, that's what I think. Okay, and you're not wrong because there there is a certain amount of hatred that I had for Aaron Rodgers simply because he wore the Packers uniform and because the Packers have always been kind of a rival to the Cowboys in the history of the NFL and, and because Aaron Rodgers always did get the best of the Cowboys. You know, I mean, he was the boogeyman. We saw it last year. You know, the Cowboys had a chance to beat them. And Dak had one of his worst games, and Aaron Rodgers had a pretty decent game. So, uh, yeah, just becoming a little bit more of an Aaron Rodgers guy. I don't know. Maybe it's old age getting to me. Maybe it's the fact that a legend only has a couple of more years left. Maybe I'm sympathetic to that. Yeah, I think all those could be true. I think they all could be true for sure in that aspect. We're going to continue our NFL discussion because we got more headlines. So we're going to do another segment of NFL when we come back, our question of the day to the audience, is this a make or break year for Dak Prescott? I'll get to your tweets. I'll get to your takes after the break. Keep it locked. It's the Sunday Sports Rush.
Sunday Sports Rush, episode 127. James, Aiden, and Alex with you. So 11 o'clock. Appreciate y'all boys and girls being with us this morning. 361-882-5397. Get in on the text line. Let us know what you think on all the sports topics, and we'll get to you. Question of the day. Is it a make or break year for Dak Prescott as a Dallas Cowboys quarterback? We got War Eagle in here on Twitter. Been a while. Follow us on Twitter at SportsRush1440. Yeah, where have you and Favors been at? They, they were our MVP uh, uh, chatters you and know, tweeters. The, for our first year when we started, man. I chat with War Eagle from time to time on Twitter. And uh, yeah, solid guy. We were always, you know, just going back and forth. But yeah. War Eagle's weighing in. He says, the Dak question is irrelevant to me due to the lack of running depth and inability to dominate the NFC East. Hmm. And he says... Also, the Pac-12 has always been hot garbage, and we all know that SEC is where it's at. Oh, I forgot he, he's one of those he, he's one of those like SEC uh, fans that rise the coattail of the top two teams. War Eagle, he's an Auburn fan. I know, but yeah, I mean, so there we go. War Eagle is in here. Appreciate you, man. So, I mean, or, I look. Oh, let me let me get to this yeah. real quickly. The inability to dominate the NFC East. I mean, okay, but when you look at Dak's career record against all the NFC East teams, he has been dominant against them. Yeah, has that, he, has, that's, he, has that's, he always won the division? No, but I would say that the Cowboy, the Cowboys, <laughs> why did I say that so weird? In the past eight years or so in Dak's tenure, have been one of the top two teams in the East consistently. And yeah. he, I believe he hasn't lost to the Giants in several years now. Yeah. Uh, he literally only has like a handful of losses to all three teams, like in his career. Yeah, I mean, but that's the only thing that's going for him. You know, yeah. he can't, you know, he can't really. And that's you know. why we're asking this question because yes. we're talking about playoff success. And let me get to one more and then we'll move on to some more NFL. Marty's in here. Marty says, I believe McCarthy will put him in a will put him in better situations to succeed this season by putting in quicker throws and screens. Unless Dak has improved at reading defenses, it's the best bet for Dak to not turn the ball over. Dak will be in the top fifteen of quarterbacks this season, maybe peaking into the top ten. That's Marty's take. I'm going to say he's already in the I, top 10. Is not, uh, fringe is top 10. Fringe. I think Marty's exactly right there. Like 9 to 10. That's where Dak's at right now. Maybe 11, maybe 12 being the floor. You see, Dak should be in the top 5 or top 6. but Well, we'll see. It's a big year for Dak Prescott. Get your takes in. 361-882-5397. Is this a make or break season I for think, Dak Prescott? To me, I think that's kind of a front runner too. You know, I, 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 I'm surprised James isn't like, oh, I don't know, man. But I just feel like it, like everything has to go his way for him to be successful. Like well, the well, offensive line has to block, receivers have to be open. Like, yeah. Well, because I'm not going to argue with that because I, I have seven years of data that I've been watching, and when Dak does have everything working, he tends to win games. Yeah. Whenever the run game ain't there, Dak tends to struggle when he has to overcompensate with his arm. Etc. Whenever receivers aren't getting open, that's when Dak Prescott tries to force throws, and then you get tip balls, you get interceptions. So sometimes Dak does overcompensate, but I mean that like, happens here, whenever other aspects of your offense aren't working. You got to kind of overcompensate, and that has bit Dak Prescott. Yeah, in in, in the course, worst times, like elite quarterbacks, no matter what, like will find a way. You know, yeah. he just he's just not an elite quarterback yet, or yet. You know? In in all honesty, and I may. I'm saying this kind of as a homer, but he's got about the same level of prove it as Derek Carr. Like, let's yeah. be let's be honest. Derek w- Carr's on a new team, has a better defense, has a better line, has a better receiving core. It's like he has to prove it this year. He has to prove that he was once MVP caliber and still can be. 
And it's it's pretty much the same as Dak. This Dak is going to do a new offense. Dak is in the same category as a Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, a Dak Prescott. I think those three, if you put up blind resumes, like player A, player B, player C, no pictures of them, just put their stats up. I got a feeling if someone did that case study, it'd be very similar. Very similar. I I can I'm honestly just, just try it right now as we're as we're speaking. To so, be honest, I just want. So I mean, did you say Kirk Cousins? I said Kirk Cousins, okay, Derek yeah. Carr, Dak Prescott. They're all kind of in that same category. And, like, and soon we'll enter two in that mix where they can they can ball out, but at times they make critical errors, critical yeah. mistakes, and and sometimes their team sabotage them. Sometimes they sabotage their own team. Three six one eight eight two five three nine seven. We're talking NFL. Um, is it a make or break year for Dak Prescott? Get in on the text line. I wanted to kind of uh, get into a little bit more NFL here as I'm perusing through the stories that I have collected over the past week. Okay. There's some camp battles going on with quarterbacks. And one of the biggest camp battles happening right now is between Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. I'm just going to ask you guys straight up. Who wins this camp battle? Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask. If you were the Bucks, who are you going with? I get Baker Mayfield has to based off of the fact that he's been a starter before, but I think he's going to be on a short leash if Kyle Trask keeps playing how he's reportedly been playing. From what I've heard, Baker Mayfield has been the worst quarterback in the entire league in training camp. He had what? I think it was seven interceptions or nine interceptions so far in training camp, which is abysmal. I don't know what he's been doing, but if... In all honesty, if that's the case, I don't think Kyle Trask has to do much. He might just end up being the starter because Baker Mayfield plays so bad. Yeah, I have to see. To me, I feel like it's a little too early to tell. I have to see what what see some preseason games. Preseason, yeah. Another camp battle that's been interesting and that's been heating up in Washington is between Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. That's another one to watch out for. Washington's trying to find their starting quarterback. Another one in Atlanta which has kind of taken everybody by surprise, Tyler Heineke and Desmond Ritter. There's been reports out there that Ritter is Taylor, kind of struggling. Taylor. And Taylor Heineke, we all know what he's done with the commanders and the football team. He's yes. kind of a gamer. You know what I mean? He's a fiery-ass dude. Football team Taylor Heineke is one of the GOATs. Yes. Well, football <laughs> team. No, not the commanders one. The commanders one was eh, but football team Taylor. So that's another camp battle to watch. They have the Titans listed as a camp battle between Will Levis, Ryan Tannehill, and Malik Willis. So I, I actually did. Did do, you do the blind resume? I, okay, back to the blind resume. So I, I'm not I'm not gonna just say like their stats and then yeah. figure out who this is. Looking at passing wise, this is between Dak, Kirk, and Derek and Derek Carr. Carr. Okay, passing wise, Dak and Kirk are pretty much the exact same. Okay. In terms of passer rating, it is literally the exact same. Wow. Yards per attempt is the exact same. Wow. And completion percentage, Dak is behind by 0.2. That's what I'm saying. So whenever I throw out that comparison, I'm not off. Now, when you look at the rushing side, Dak has the upper hand. Of course. But when you switch over to the rushing side between Kirk and Derek Carr. (laughs) Oh, God. It's the exact same. (laughs) It is crazy that... It, it's just like a mesh. They're all like the same. And Pro Bowls, Derek Carr and Kirk have the exact same. Yeah. It's very odd it's how, like, how I... like intertwined the, these <laughs> these guys are in terms of their stats. Yeah, it's, so, it's kind of impressive, to be honest. So what I was saying, Dak, 
Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr, when you just compare their stats and their resumes, they're kind of the same guy. They are. They have all the talent in the world. And if you saw the quarterback show on Netflix, you hopefully gained a little bit more of a healthy respect for Kirk Cousins and what he's able to do. But those three guys, their career arcs are very, very similar and oddly eerily similar, almost freakishly similar. Correct, Alex? Yes. So there we go, man. 361-882-5397. We got a little bit more DAC discussion rolling in on my social medias here. Keith is in here. Keith says, regardless of how Dak does this year, he'll be back on the team next season. That said, regardless of how he does, I believe Dallas scouts will be watching for their future quarterback in this season's college games. I mean, look, if the scouts ain't actively looking for quarterbacks all the time, they ain't doing their job. But yeah, I mean, why not? The quarterback class is pretty deep this year. Maybe Dallas does take a flyer on somebody in the second, third, maybe fourth round. So there we go. That wraps up our NFL discussion. Question of the day. Is it a make or break year for Dak Prescott? Weigh in 361-882-5397. When we come back, holy crap, you got knocked the F out. We're talking Major League Baseball after the break. Sunday Sports Rush, we're back with you till 11 a.m. James, Aiden, and Alex. Hope everybody's having a great Sunday morning. 361-882-5397. Get into the text line. Question of the day. Is this a make or break year for Dak Prescott as the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback? Shout out to Jerry Plemons and Crossroads Clinical Research. If you're looking to lose a few pounds, then pay attention. Jerry and Crossroads right now have this new study involving the pill version of Munjaro. If you have heart problems... If you have diabetes, you might be the perfect candidate to try this out. Hit them up at 361-288-4668, 361-288-4668. For more info, go visit them at number3cra.com. That is number3cra.com. Thank you to Jerry and Crossroads Clinical Research for sponsoring the show. All right. War Eagle says he's clearing up his thought here on Twitter when he talked about the Cowboys not being as dominant in the NFC East. He says, to clean up my thought, in some divisions, you can have a losing record or 500 and make the playoffs. Last year, the NFC East was most dominant in football. Dallas is going to have to have a solid year to secure a spot based on what we saw last year. Okay, now I get it. I get what you're saying now. NFC East is slated to be pretty tough, so Dallas is going to have to be on their game. 10 wins might make the playoffs. 11, 12 probably will get you in the playoffs. It's going to have to be one of those for Dallas this year. I get your, I get your thoughts right there, War Eagle. War Eagle also says for us to cut him some slack. He's two hours behind because now he lives in Vegas. Interesting. So a two-hour time difference. Oh, yeah. So when our show starts at 9 a.m., it's 7 a.m. in Vegas. Oh, yeah. So there we go. I'm sorry, War Eagle. But we appreciate you, War Eagle. We love you, baby. We always love you. All right. Hey, hey, War Eagle's a a homie. He's an original G, Alex. Oh, I know. You ain't got to tell me. I'm aware of this. Uh, Last night. Major League Baseball. My goodness, what a night. And Alex kind of told me this before the show, but yesterday might have been one of the, uh, how did you describe it? (laughs) One of the worst days in American sports history. (laughs) From the Jake Paul-Nate Diaz fight, which 
We'll dive into and, the sports grab bag. And let me clarify by worst. I mean embarrassing. <laughs> we embarrassed ourselves on multiple levels in multiple sports. So last night in the Guardians and White Sox game. Which is still a series ongoing. Yes. Um, there was a hard slide in the second from Jose Ramirez. Correct. And apparently Tim Anderson applied a hard tag to Ramirez. Ramirez didn't like it. Ramirez got up. And from that moment on, it was absolute fight night. I got the audio from Cleveland Guardians play-by-play man Tom Hamilton, who might be a candidate for best call of the season. Here is Tom Hamilton describing the brawl that happened and the subsequent knockout. Here it is. First slide, safe, and in the score is Jimenez. And another hustle double. Right over the bag at first. Now Hosey and Anderson square off. They're fighting. They're swinging. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. Ramirez went in with a head first slide. Hosey never gets upset about anything. They came up chewing. Anderson squared off. Hosey decked him. Wow. And if you've seen the video, it's all over social media. Anderson did drop his glove and put his hands up like a like a boxer. He wanted some. Yeah, yeah he's the one that started the whole exchange, like with the whole like, you know. Anderson threw two punches that might have grazed the head of Ramirez as Ramirez was ducking. And then Ramirez just throws a blind overhead, overhand right. He was free swinging like, yeah. free, like, like just. Which just. Cold cocked Anderson. It connected though. Dead in the chin, in the jaw. Anderson falls back. Clean knockout. That's a 10 8 round Ramirez. Yes. And then if you see the video afterwards, the White Sox players were trying to help Tim Anderson off the field and he was still like out on his feet, stumbling. Yeah. It was a crazy scene. One of the craziest things I've ever seen in baseball. This was a hockey fight in a baseball game. Yeah. I'm I'm assuming Anderson's going to be out for a little while. Because hey, that might be better for the White Sox because oh. Tim Anderson is bad. <laughs> he, he's been playing better this past month, but but yeah. he's still worth a whole negative one point eight WAR. So yeah, he's not doing too. You hot. know, whenever it was tr- when the trade deadline just passed, a part of me and my brain was thinking, man, the Astros should go get Tim Anderson. I mean, Jeremy Pena has a bit just to have an extra bat, just I to mean, have an extra guy, just to have a name on your team. I mean, Jeremy Pena hasn't been any better, so I mean. But thoughts on the fight, thoughts on the brawl, get in, 361-882-5397. It was crazy. It was interesting, you know, battle of mid, you know. <laughs> battle of mid? Yeah. What I'm are just, you, t- oh, the teams. The yeah. teams are mid. I'm going to say Jose Ramirez? Don't call him I, mid. I yeah. saw White Sox fans on Twitter saying that's the most fight this team has shown all season. And, Absolutely. And, 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 of, and of course, they're the ones that got the knockout blow. <laughs> White Sox are so trash, bro. I know. They couldn't even, uh, The they got... The Rangers were reeling after after getting swept against the Padres, and the White Sox they get they gave the Rangers life again. So, speaking of uh, a losing effort yesterday, uh, Justin Verlander day didn't quite go as planned for the Astros. The Astros lost three to one. Verlander did throw seven innings of two run ball. Houston's lineup struck out sixteen times and got a season low two hits. That- the, only, the only positive was that Verlander looked okay, and Jose Altuve. Hit his 200th career home run. So that might have been the worst lineup of the year that Dusty put out. Because Grant, well, 
On Kissinger, Friday, Kissinger was out there. On Friday, that was probably Friday's lineup was probably the best lineup he's put out, and then we got seven runs. And I thought, okay, look, looks like uh, we found a lineup. And then Dusty goes back and like on, on Verlander. I guess he was begging on Verlander to completely shut the Yankees down, which he almost did. You know, two runs. But oh my gosh, that was such a front. Put out the same lineup you put it before we win that game. Look, it was a typical Justin Verlander start from the Astros. I don't know if anybody remembers this, but. Justin Verlander's starts typically come with very low run support for some reason with the Astros. It's just always happened. Yeah. And I hate seeing it. And look, Verlander did all right. Um, he, let's play the Verlander comments. It's about 20 seconds long. Here's Verlander on his stuff and what he thought about his performance. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a, a battle. Um, first few innings, uh, you know, it was just kind of all over the place um, control-wise. Um, not exactly sure why, um, but was able to kind of rein it in and make some better pitches and um, keep us in the ball game. Um, so definitely felt better after the last few. So there's Verlander talking about his game, had a little bit of control issues, but seemed to settle in. And, and of course, Verlander gets traded to the Astros. The Astros give up Drew Gilbert. Um, they give up Clifford. I forgot his first name. But pretty much the two top prospects in the Astros system are now at the Mets. And this had everybody in a tizzy. Oh yeah. my goodness! Everybody, how could you give up these two prospects? I, I, I was so shocked how many, how many people were upset about that, right? I, we don't know how good they are in the leagues. Yeah, we don't know. No one knows. It's a freaking, it's a blind guess. I mean, Drew Gilbert probably can be a starter for the Mets. This Clifford kid was doing really good in High A, not even Double A, yeah. High A. Like, they're prospects. Look. My thought has always been this. If you could go get a premier pitcher, Justin Verlander, who has been pitching pretty solidly for the last month and a half for the Mets, probably the lone bright spot on the Mets in that time, yeah. you go get him. You give up prospects. Yeah. Parades over prospects. Yeah, and he's better than Max Scherzer. Had a Sorry. better start than Max Scherzer, but, you know, run support, you know. And looking at, at the other side of things, it's weird – seeing Yankees fans talk about their team in a completely different aspect as the Astros because the Astros debate is why did you give up prospects and the the Yankee side of it is why did you not go and get prospects yeah and I, I don't I know you have your takes on Chris Rose and how he reacts to things but he gets to interview their manager and he went at him really he you went at Boone yes wow. he was like I am shocked and quite frankly scared that you think this is the group because how did Boone react to that? He, he basically just went back at him and he was like, look, I mean, we don't have the farm system and you're, if you're saying this is the team and the team next year, I think we are arguably going to be in a worse spot than the Mets will be in two years. So I, I will say it's not really – that's a Cashman issue. That's a Cashman ownership issue. It's yeah. not really a Boone issue, even though he's not the best manager. Yankees fans but. want Cashman fired. They actually had a chant the other night, fire Cashman, fire Cashman. Yeah. So it's one of those things. And look, back to the Astros and, and then giving up the prospects, Drew Gilbert was not a Dana Brown draft pick. That's the old regime. That's a James Click draft pick. Dana Brown has built, or Dana Brown, when he was with the Braves, built up their farm system. A lot of the prospects, a lot of the players, the young guys who are on the Braves' big league squad right now are Dana Brown guys. And Dana Brown has been renowned throughout MLB circles 
as a general manager who values the draft, as a general manager who knows how to scout players and build farm systems. And, so, who, and who's been the best run organization the past five seasons? It's been the Braves. Yeah. Like, even as an Astros fan, I can say the Braves are so well set for their future. Like, they're set now, and they're set five to ten years from now. So, Astro fan out there, if you're listening, give Dana Brown a chance. Like, this is barely his first draft. He, he drafted that Bryce Matthews kid in the first round out of Nebraska Give him a chance. Let's see how it goes. I got a feeling he'll be able to build this farm system back up. And then it also didn't help that the Astros were sanctioned by Major League Baseball for what happened in 2017 when they got first-round picks taken away. So, yeah, there's going to be a natural drop-off in the prospects. But now the Astros have their picks back. Dana Brown is there. Let it be. I got one more good moment that I want to highlight from last night's Major League Baseball slate. It involves Trey Turner. Philadelphia Phillies shortstop Trey Turner. And he has been struggling all year long. Yeah. Had an amazing World Baseball Classic. Hit that grand slam, you know. He was being touted as what, Captain America? Yeah, Captain America, exactly. Well, on Friday night, the Philadelphia Phillies fans gave him a standing ovation as a show of solidarity in support, which coming from Philly fans, that's pretty big right there. Philly yeah. fans are known as some of the most cutthroat people. Yeah. But they gave him a show of support. And then last night, with the Phillies trailing... Trey Turner stepped up in a huge moment. Serpa against Turner. They're in at the corners. Case of a bunt. Turner's not bunting. He blasts it. High and deep left field. It's going to go. Scott Franksy on the call. Home run number 11. Amazing scene in Philly. And you're right, what a time for it. Wow. Trey Turner. I guarantee you they're all standing now. <laughs> yep, no doubt. Trey Turner with that three-run home run snapped a 21-game homerless drought, his longest of the season. It was Turner's first home run with multiple men on base as a member of the Phillies. That's how bad he had been doing. But it was such a good sports moment, man. It's like, yeah, it was. It's one of those things, man. Like, you, you see a, a, a fan base stand behind their player, acknowledging the fact that he has been, for lack of a better word, ass. Yeah. And, you know, they gave him... <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> they gave him that standing O, and then the next day he hits a home run. Like, that's, that's sports. That's the beauty of sports. Signed a big contract. He's their guy. They got to be behind him. Yeah. Uh, I'm about to... I'm about to rain on y'all's parade right now. Uh, go ahead. I did not get moved one bit what? by this. You have no soul. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Uh, wow. A, a player that's finally playing to the contract he's been given now. Wow. It's okay. the moment, Aiden. It's, yeah. It's the, the circumstance I, I, I know. I know what those Philly fans. And it, this is also a Philly thing, too, because I, I know how they treated Mattress Mac while he was there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I, 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 did, I felt nothing. Look, I'm not trying nothing. to say Philly fans are the saints of Major League Baseball fandom, but... They had but you, you slightly, one good moment. But you slightly understand where I'm coming from, yeah, right? Yeah, I know what you're getting. the Philly aspect, yeah. So. And, um, I felt nothing. Real quickly, this week, there's a really good series about to happen. Astros at Orioles Ooh. for a three-game set in Baltimore Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And the starting pitchers have been announced just right now by Chandler Rome. Framber Valdez Tuesday night, Christian Javier Wednesday night, and Hunter Brown going on Thursday night. No JP France. I don't like that. I don't like it either. J.P. France has been arguably their most consistent pitcher, but it seems like now that Urquidy is back, which he's going to start today, 
against the Yankees. Seems that they're trying to move JP France to the bullpen as Ali, a long relief. At least six man rotation. Go back to the six man rotation. There's that's what the Ashes did last season. So that's our MLB update. Some fun times, some crazy times in Major League Baseball. Coming up next, it's a sports grab bag. Our last segment. Johnny Manziel. Interesting comments coming out of this new Netflix documentary. And I guess we will touch on a little bit of Nate Diaz and Jake Paul. Keep it locked to the Sunday Sports Rush. Sunday Sports Rush, last segment. Sports grab bag. That's how we do it to end the show. 361-882-5397. Got your last chance to get in on the text line. Appreciate all your boys and girls listening out there. James, Aiden, and Alex with you. Sports grab bag. There's a new documentary coming out on Netflix, the Untold series, which have been really good. There's a they lot have of, been, actually. There's a lot of really good Untold um, sports documentaries. And uh, Johnny Manziel is the latest to be featured. It's going to be dropping here rather soon. And in Netflix's Untold Johnny Football, the 2012 Heisman Trophy winner said that following the 2015 season, he began using Oxycontin and cocaine daily. According to multiple reports, dropped from 215 pounds in January to 175 pounds. Do you remember whenever... It was very noticeable how skinny he was, and that was kind of a talking point at that time. Everybody yeah. was like, what's wrong with Johnny? Also in the documentary, according to reports, Johnny Manziel was later diagnosed with bipolar disorder. He refused to enter rehab, and he began self-sabotaging, going on a, quote, $5 million bender before attempting to end his life. Here's a quote from Johnny Manziel. I had planned to do everything I wanted to do at that point in my life, spend as much money as I possibly could, and then my plan was to take my life, Manziel said in the documentary, according to multiple reports. I wanted to get as bad as humanly possible to where it made sense, and it made it seem like an excuse and an out for me. Manziel said he had purchased a gun months earlier with the plan to use it to carry out death by suicide, but when he pulled the trigger, the weapon malfunctioned. He said, quote, still to this day, don't know what happened, but the gun just clicked on me. He said in the documentary, according to multiple reports. That is wild See, to hear. That's wild to hear. He shouldn't even have access to a gun in the first place with, with the stuff that he's done in the past, especially with his, with his ex-girlfriend and whatnot. That's the problem that we have here. But, I mean, I'm not going to get into deep, but, deep I mean, into that. Yeah, look, okay, we get the underlying issue. But the fact is, this situation did happen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just uh, kind of sad to hear that Johnny Football went through all that stuff. One of the most electrifying players in college football history. And it's not like he wasn't a bomb. Like there was flashes of talent there. He just did nothing to get get himself better for the for yeah. the for the NFL. A lot of pressure. Everything. The Johnny Football moniker. The Johnny. Uh, what what do you used to call himself? Money Manziel. Yes. Um. You know, just it can be a lot for even the greatest of athletes. And I'm very interested in watching this documentary. I am as well. Um. I've been. You know, I've always liked Johnny Football. I've never had anything really against him. And um, he was one of the funnest players I've ever watched on the college football scene. So, interesting. Interesting comment from Johnny Manziel. It seems like he's in a better place, though, now. Yeah, uh, definitely. Seems like he's doing well. He's actually going to open up a bar <laughs> in College Station. It's going to be called uh, something like Money Manziel's Bar or something like that. Quick hits. I mean, what? So, there we go. There we go. All righty. Um, Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz happened last night, and Jake Paul <sighs> won by 
unanimous decision. He did yeah. knock down Nate Diaz at uh, one point. Yeah. Showed some flashes of competence, I'd say. Alex, you had the, uh, I, I guess, myself. the unfortunate pleasure of watching the entire there fight. There was no pleasure. Yeah, none I, at all. I, I'm playing um, Pain by Tupac right I now. Was, I was asleep. Alex, just give us the cliff notes. Um, we only have five minutes. You, go ahead. So it was an interesting fight. Uh, it was very clear from the beginning that Nate Diaz had no intention of trying to win. He was just in there trying not to get hit as hard as he could, doing stuff that he usually did in the UFC, just wearing guys down, taking them late into rounds, and just wearing them out and then starting to piece together some combinations and, and getting a finish or maybe a decision, but... That's what he did pretty much the entire fight. He was practically on the defense, really wasn't punching much. But one thing that I will give him credit for, it's clear he wanted to be a showman. And that's what he did. He he was a showman. He showboated. He taunted. And Jake really never reciprocated. It was pretty much just him taunting. After every round, he'd always put his, his hands up in the air like he won the round. Like, he he knew he wasn't winning. Let me ask you a question. Yes. As someone who observed the fight, watched it with the keen sports combat eye that you have. Yeah. Was there anything impressive that Jake Paul did? Just, were you like, okay, you know, he's all right. Like, was there something that just, you're like, okay, he's he's okay. Not saying he's great, but like, did something stand out to you at all? In all honesty, not really. His gas tank is not there, clearly. Yeah. Nate Diaz very effectively wore him down. Uh, his combinations are pretty telegraphed. It, it's all the same thing. He he does exactly what his corner says, which is good. Very I mean, coachable. It, all right. He, he's coachable. That is the one thing that is that is for certain. Uh, uh, unlike Michael Moore, so basically what's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. And okay. It, it's just when you get close to him like Diaz would do he just put his head down get close and get inside it starts to get a little dicey for him yeah and it's clear if you want to wear him down and end up winning the fight you can do it because that's if, if Nate was in his prime he absolutely would have won that fight because he he knows how to win those types much of fights. like the way the Fury brother wore Paul down yes and won the fight yeah yes. he won on decision yes to me now we know what Jay Paul is he beats he, he can beat non-boxers but he can't be an actual uh, if you have a chin boxer. and you can withstand punches you can beat him now people on the social media Twitter etc yes. right there's a lot of people saying it was entertaining uh, it was absolutely entertaining from the Diaz aspect yeah Jake Paul did not bring any entertainment whatsoever he went in there and he was trying he was trying very hard he, he did enter the arena on a tank well, I mean, in in the in the pre-fight, he yeah. was all smiles, he was all jokes. But when he got in the ring, he he did not reciprocate any of the yeah. entertainment that Diaz was shown. I just hate, interesting. I just hate to admit that Logan Paul actually looks legit. No, okay, WWE wise. So, uh, uh, um, quick aside, SummerSlam was last night. Yeah, yes. Logan Paul had a great match. Logan Paul, in my opinion, and as someone who watches WWE staunchly, he's a legitimate WWE superstar. Like he can go yeah, with yeah. some of the best in the the wrestling industry. So. I mean, I'm glad. Give him, give him props for that. And I, look, gu I guess I'm glad he's not as hateable as he used to be. He's not recording dead bodies oh, anymore. Look, and whatnot, so, so. And when it comes to most hateable, Jake Paul is definitely in a more favorable standing. Oh, no. Logan Paul is definitely in a more favorable yes. standing than Jake. Yes. Oh, I forgot Jake Paul leashed off of Logan Paul's Vine success. Correct. Originally. Yeah. So there's also, an, uh, there's also a Netflix documentary, the Untold series about Jake Paul that's out right now.
And I wish it was untold. Hey. No matter what. That was a good, good one. one. So that's going to wrap up the show. We appreciate all of you getting in this morning. Shout out to Crossroads Clinical Research once again for sponsoring the show. It was a fun one. Episode 127 is in the books, and we are inching closer and closer to NFL football. This time next week, there will have been a Dallas Cowboys preseason game played, and we will break that down for you and give you our cliff notes on that. So awesome times this morning. Appreciate y'all listening and being with us wherever you may be. Aiden, great job, man. Yay, yay! Alex, awesome as always. Appreciate it. For everybody out there, thank y'all for listening once again to the Sunday Sports Rush. For Aiden Ducker, Alex Weister, I am James Espinosa. No more questions. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great Sunday.